0: You're listening to Buzzkillers. Buzz Killers. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Everybody probably just like the first fifteen minutes, or fi- well, maybe <laughs>
1: they they might skip the first yeah, fifteen they're just minutes like, click, too. Click, click, click. They're anyway, like, "Dear Lord, ladies, shut up."
0: <laughs> they're like, "We like your like banter during the case, but before, we hate it." Um, did that just sound like like a war siren <laughs> to you? Like, the yes, woo-woo-woo. I think that was like
1: a motorcycle of some type
0: oh maybe maybe a car yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) sorry guys there was just this really odd sound from outside the two of us were it literally
0: sounded like one of those like sirens where you had to get under your desk
1: yeah i think it was just like one of those little crotch rocket motorcycles maybe they went past the house
0: (laughs) it was really scary though we both we both looked at the window and we're like uh what okay guys
1: so macy we're talking about something special today.
0: I know. I'm so excited. You guys have been waiting for a long time, and here it is.
1: We got a big one for you. Yeah. And I think this is awesome. I'm so ready for this.
0: Oh, we have to see what we're drinking. Tea. Uh, we're <laughs> drinking tea. We're <laughs> <laughs> <Not laughs> drinking wine. It is
1: early. Early. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we had to get together very early today, and it seemed... I mean, I know it's always 5 o'clock somewhere, but <laughs> not at 10 a.m. at my house. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. We both
1: were like, well, we could put something in the coffee. And no. then we were like, nah. No, let's we are t-. very much sober so for this. So we are drinking our Evil Tea. Yes, Evil Tea. Evil Tea is amazing. Guys, if you haven't heard of Evil Tea, please look them up. They are a small business.
0: Support small businesses, friends. Yes. Go support Martine, too. Support Everybody at Serial oh, Killer Crafts. <laughs> just support Etsy in general. Let's see,
1: Martine and Evil T
0: and. Oh, Serial Killer Shop. We um, love that. Serial Killer Shop. Freaking. um This is not an, an ad, by the way. This is no, just us. God, we love not them. at all. And if you don't know them already and you listen to this podcast, you should know them.
1: We got our necklaces from Forensic Miles. Yeah. Um, there's probably 18 other ones that I can't think of right now because we buy a lot of shit online that we probably shouldn't.
0: Uh <laughs> <laughs> we are the, the other, like, for the other, like, the bad influence. So it's like, oh, I don't want to buy this. And it's like, but you really should, though.
1: Know, I'll send her a picture or something and I'll be like, oh, my God, talk me out of buying this. And the, the only thing I get back is do it.
0: Or a <laughs> gif of uh, Tom Haverford being like. Treat
1: yourself.
0: Treat yourself. <laughs> or treat Donna Meagle. Anyway. So we're drinking tea from Evil Tea. Support small businesses. That was a lot in like 10 seconds. Today's case, Nicole. What are we talking about, Macy? Boo. Jack the Ripper. Yes, friends. We are talking about the one, the only, Jack Jack
1: the Ripper.
0: I am so excited.
1: I, uh, yes.
0: I, mm, this was one of those cases where at the very beginning of this podcast, when Nicole and I sat down and we're like, we're really serious. (laughs) I said, D- I, I have to cover this case. I call it. We call dims.
1: Yep. We each have those big cases that we were like, this, this
0: is my case. I really want to cover it. And it's like, okay. I don't really know about much about that one. That's fine with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I really wanted to do Jack the Ripper because this is one of the very first psychological profiles yep. out there. So I, I knew we had to have a big one for Listener's Choice, which was suggested by someone very Near and dear to our hearts and we will talk about that in a bit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so
1: dive into it, Macy.
0: All right, all right. Uh so guys, Jack the Ripper. This all happened in the east end of London mm-hmm. in Whitechapel the Whitechapel district. So you all know this is still unsolved. Yes. No one knows.
1: There are a million theories.
0: Millions of theories. So um <laughs> So Jack the Ripper is accused of killing at least five women in the area of Whitechapel during. Um, it, it started around the aug- August of 1888, um, and but interesting, <laughs> um, we have become friends with a fellow um, Instagrammer named M.P. Priestley. He wrote an awesome book, and I read it to talk about this case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called One Autumn in Whitechapel, and if you really like really well-researched
1: book history
0: history kind of things totally recommend this book please go check him out um he also does the jack the ripper tours in london which is fucking sweet so um in his book he talks about eight murders which have been attributed to jack the ripper yeah um the, the JR file, I'm just going to c- call it J.R. because I don't want to say Jack the Ripper every time. Oh, fair. Um, the, JR fi- the JR file has um, actually quite a few murders that were like all kind of going on at the time, but some have been disproved mm-hmm. as being him and some have not. So um, I'm going to talk about the first one in M.P. Um, Priestley's book. Her name is Martha Tabram, and I'm going to get to my little chart here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so guys, just so you know, the back of this book has, like, some of the greatest information yeah, <laughs> that you can find. Yeah. He has a whole chart. He broke it down by
0: victim and... Um, like, their age, their height that they were wearing. Yep. How they... Like, crime scene signature characteristics and victim similarities. Yeah. Like, shit.
1: <laughs> so, like, methodology and things like that it is broken down by victim. And it is so helpful and it is so cool
0: yeah it was it's really really helpful and it was especially helpful for this because now i can just like read it off of this do you want me to hold that for you no 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 okay. i just because i was like i can just read the ages right here <laughs> i don't have to write them down okay so um martha tabram was jack the ripper's supposed first victim she was 39 years old um and she was murdered on august 7th of 1888 she was found in george yard and had been stabbed in the throat, chest, and abdomen multiple times. Um, But if you guys know anything about this case at all, um, the um, disembowelment, mutilation was um, a big, you know, characteristic of his murders. This Mm -hmm. is one of the murders, and there are a couple where the victim was not disemboweled. Martha was not disemboweled. Um, The second victim, her name was Marianne Nichols. Um, She was 43 years old. And she was found on August 31st of 1888 in Bucks Row. Her throat had been cut and she had been disemboweled.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, third victim, her name is Annie Chapman. She was found on September 8th of 1888 on Hanbury Street. Her throat had been cut. She'd been disemboweled and her Oof. uterus was missing. Huh. Um <laughs> And this is when one of the uh, coroners in the case kind of, this is like, you know, if you know anything about this case, guys, it's been widely speculated that Jack the Ripper had anatomical knowledge or some sort of medical knowledge. Um, This is the, Annie's murder is the first murder where that is made into a a theory or a possibility. And it's the only one, right? It's the only one. Because there, it goes on. If you guys... I'm serious. Read this book. If you like this case, read this book. If you want to know
1: anything um, about Jack yeah. the Ripper, <laughs> read, read this, this book.
0: <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, I did not know half the
1: shit. 99% of the sentences you read are taken, like, directly from yeah, sources yeah, that are, from have sources. to do with it's Jack amazing. the Ripper.
0: Um, there was this one coroner who suggested that he, he had anatomical knowledge, but other coroner, coroners involved in the case did not yeah. have that same um, theory. Mm-hmm. So, um, where was I? Third victim, fourth victim. Okay, fourth victim's name. Her name was Elizabeth Stride. I just dropped my shit. Okay, her <laughs> <Macy's> name throwing <laughs> things. Yes, her name was Elizabeth Stride, and she was forty-four years old. Oh, and if I didn't say Annie Chapman, the third murder, she was forty-seven. Okay. Um, Annie was forty-seven. Elizabeth was forty-four. Um, and she was found on September thirtieth. So not very long after Annie yeah. Chapman's murder. Um, And she was found on Burner Street at around 1 a.m. Her throat was cut, but she was not disemboweled or mutilated. Um, There was a theory that kind of came around in the investigation that possibly Jr. got spooked and fled and couldn't finish the murder. Mm -hmm. There are other theories, too, and um, we're going to discuss that in a minute. Um, Okay. September 30th is an important night. Because this is the night of Jack the Ripper's only double murder. Mm-hmm. Um, at around 1.45 a.m., the body of Catherine Eddowes is found in Mitre Square. Her throat had been cut. She was disemboweled. Her uterus and left kidney were missing. Oh and gosh. her face was horribly mutilated. Like, unrecognizable. Um, yeah. So that's... Um, shortly after the double murder, the night of the double murder, police receive a letter that had gotten sent to the London news agency prior to September thirtieth that they had not sent to police. Yeah, so they get it after <laughs> the police get this letter after the like murders are committed, but they got this letter a couple of days prior to the to the murders. Um. <laughs> I believe that's
1: legal now. <laughs> yeah, and the
0: police the police made the letter public. It was written in red ink, and it was sup- it was signed Jack the Ripper, so supposedly by the Whitechapel mm-hmm. murderer. Um, and this is how Jack the Ripper got his nickname because he signed it as Jack the Ripper. Um, publish- publishing this <laughs> backfired big time. Oh, um, I wonder why. I wonder why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and the police and others um, began receiving hoax letters from multiple people, multiple sources. This case became widely sensationalized, like, common entertainment for people. See, it was very strange. All
1: I can think of is who in 1880 was like, yes, did you, read this? did you read this letter about the supposed murder? They did that. And then, like, they were like, you know what would be funny? Hee hee, let's write a letter, pretending we're Jack the Ripper. Ha ha ha.
0: But like, this the police. Who thinks that? This made the police waste their time and resources on tips and stuff that like, led nowhere. It was this that's why this case is so frustrating because if this hadn't happened and it hadn't become widely like known about in the media, yeah. it they just probably would have just thrown those letters away. It
1: blows my mind that stuff like that happened even back then.
0: I know. Because you think about
1: today when we talk about all the cases where they get all the false tips on the tip lines and calls mm. and stuff like that that are just they're all fake. And it's like even in 1880, you couldn't escape this.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: It that blows my mind that people just had nothing else, nothing better to do nothing with their time to than their to time. mess with cops.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and they also just use that kind of stuff as entertainment in general. Like, yeah. entertainment. Like medieval times up through then until recent history, people there was no television. You weren't watching crime shows.
1: Yeah, right. You were
0: going to public hangings and shit.
1: Yeah. Like that, that was, was your, your entertainment.
0: entertainment. It's crazy. I can't, I don't get it.
1: How did we just say that at the same time?
0: <laughs> just like we said, Jack the Ripper at the same time. And I didn't think that we were going to, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this letter, this first letter that was sent to um, the, the news agency um, is called the dear boss letter and you can find it. You sh- you can just type in Jack the Ripper, dear boss letter. <laughs> and then there are pictures of it. Um, And then there was another famous letter from this case that was sent to a man named George Lusk, and he was the president of the Mile End Vigilance Committee, which had um, become, like, came into fruition to help Mm -hmm. catch Jack the Ripper, um, and that was back in September, like, between, um, what's her name? Sorry. Sorry. There's a lot of victims. I'm sorry, guys. Between um, Annie Chapman and Elizabeth Stride's murders, yeah, that's that um, the vigilance committee gets established. Um, and this letter is called the From Hell letter. Um, this letter contained half of a kidney.
1: That's disturbing. That
0: the author claimed he had taken from um, from Catherine Eddowes. Um, man, Ugh. but th- to be honest. They said that it was pretty well trimmed up, so, like, you couldn't tell if it was, like, you couldn't, like, guys, uh, they say that, like, if you put, like, a pig's liver next to a human liver, they look very similar. Yeah,
1: you so can tell. So, it
0: ended up beca- becoming, like, um, determined as a prank because, like, they were, like, how, how did you get this? We're not sure if it's even human. Yeah. You know, it, so there wasn't any way to really tell if this was actually from Catherine Eddowes because there were no like ligaments that they could attach. Yeah. It had been like cleaned. <laughs> so it seems like it was from like a butcher shop or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The next victim, man guys, this is really, this is really terrible. Yeah. Um, Her name is Mary Jane Kelly. She was fo- found on November 9th in her room, at <laughs> 13 Miller's Court, and she was 25. So let's just talk about this really quick. Martha Tabron was 39. Marianne Nichols, 43. Annie Chapman, 47. Elizabeth Stride, 44. Catherine Eddowes, 46. Mary Jane Kelly, 25. That's a big deviation. Yeah. Um. She's, like I said, found on November 9th in her room. They determined that Jack the Ripper had probably spent around two hours in her room doing everything that he did. Um, she was basically skinned down to the bone. Um, her throat had been cut, disemboweled and mutilated like many of the other victims. And she was only identified by, like, certain parts of her body. Oh, God. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, huh, huh. So then... <laughs> things kind of go quiet. Yeah. For a while, a while. Um and there like we said um in the book One Autumn in Whitechapel, um MP Priestley suggests that there are two more murders that are also convict or <laughs> I can't talk. All I'm not even drinking wine. Um, <laughs> are also, you know, linked to him.
1: All that tea man, it makes you go crazy.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> So in 1889, nearly a year later, because remember, all of this stuff happens really, really quick. Mm-hmm. August, September, s- September, or two in August, two in September, one in November. Yeah. And then it goes quiet until 1889, That's July 17th terrifying. of 1889. Um, and Alice McKenzie... Who was 39 was found in Castle Alley, very similarly killed. Although I believe she was not disemboweled. Let me oh let me check my handy dandy chart. Ta-da, da, da, da. <laughs> do, 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 I lied. She was. I think it was Kay. the <laughs> next one that wasn't. Sorry. This <laughs> is why I have my chart in front of me. Um, and the next murder was again in 1891 <laughs> um fran- uh, february 13th Frances coles was found in swallow gardens um she was 26 years old and had not been mutilated so like i said there were several that had not been yeah um Ma- martha elizabeth and francis all were okay. not mutilated the rest were mutilated um a man was actually um, brought in and tried for Francis Cole's murder. Um, his name was Thomas Sadler. He was a sailor. He was arrested, but he was later cleared of any wrongdoing, and um, was determined not to be the famous Jack the Ripper. How did they clear him? Did it um, say? he had like a, had alibis?
1: Okay. Um, oh, for sense. the other murders, so that would make sense. They only
0: <laughs> pulled him in for Francis Cole's. Okay, so um, they had to try and pin all the murders to him, and he was like, "No, <laughs> wasn't here for that. <laughs> wasn't here for that." <laughs> and also, like, I didn't kill Kit Francis Cole's. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> um. So there are several theories, um, as to who Jack the Ripper could have been. There are lots and lots of um, like, suspected people. Um, but there are some actually kind of far fetched theories that I kind of want to talk about. Um, there, the first theory is that Prince Albert Victor, the grandson of Queen Victoria, was driven mad by syphilis and committed the crimes. <laughs> um, and Dr. Thomas Stoll wrote an article in um, the 20th century that like heavily implied that this was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a second ro- royal conspiracy. And it's found in the book *Jack the Ripper: The Final Solution*, um, written by Stephen Knight in 1976. It was that Albert had fallen in love with a commoner again, about the same royal member. Yeah. Um, he had fallen in love with a commoner. Um, obviously, the royal family disapproved of this, and with the help of a doctor named William Gull, they had her committed to an asylum and diagnosed certifiably fi- insane. And then her Jeez. friends, her handy dandy friends that happen to be right there, are Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, and Mary Jane Kelly. And these women decide to blackmail the crown. And so Dr. Gall is then sent by royal decree to go, like, murder them. Like, that's the conspiracy. That is so far-fetched. <laughs> um, and then Catherine Eddowes, the fifth victim, was an accident. She was, like...
1: She just was in the wrong place, wrong time kind of thing?
0: It said something about mistaken identity. Like, they thought she was one of them, but it wasn't her. Oh, okay. Um, So, hmm. (laughs) this is how you get the whole five victims theory, which has come up recently in the last couple recent years, um, is that Jack the Ripper only killed those five women when there's evidence that he killed more. Mm -hmm. So um, don't believe everything you, you hear in Hollywood in books, friends. Um, For real though,
1: after reading MP Priestley's book, you realize how wrong almost everything. think
0: I knew, I thought that he was just some like dude <laughs> with a top hat like <laughs> that ha- carried his medical bag around, slicing ladies up. And I'm like, wait, this, this is not even slightly
1: <laughs> accurate. <laughs> not
0: accurate at all. Um, there is a, another theory that it could have been a man named Wal- Walter Sickert. He was a famous painter at the time, um, and this is in a A book called *Portrait of a Killer* by Patricia Patricia Cornwell. Um, She states that he was psychotic and he was he hated women, Mm -hmm. and you can see clues in his paintings. (laughs) His painting? Yeah, I don't know
1: what was he painting.
0: (laughs) and this has been widely discredited.
1: Female stick figure with a giant red X across it, like <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, Jack the Ripper in the corner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Painting signed Jack the Ripper.
0: <laughs> There's um, another theory that it actually could have been a woman. Um, that's interesting. That it was a midwife who would not draw suspicion if she had blood on her clothing because she was delivering babies. Um. How bloody do people think births get? Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, then she would have, and then she would have anatomical knowledge. But like we said, M.P. Priestley's book kind of suggests that he didn't have any Yeah, at all.
1: There was only one person that ever said this. And yeah, for some reason yeah. that fact that stuck. stuck. And it's really not accurate.
0: No, like they, they said he and, and like he says in the book that like. He barely had the knowledge of a butcher or something like yeah,
1: that. Yeah, of all the doctors in this case, he was the only uh-huh, one that uh-huh. suggested this and everybody else disagreed with him.
0: Yeah, so there's that theory. And then there's another theory um, that Lewis Carroll, the author of, like, The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland, was
1: the <laughs> um, Wha- Why? <laughs> there's
0: anagrams in his writing. So there's this guy who, like, reorganized all of the words in the book to spell out certain phrases. phrases. Like, I got a tight hold of her and slit her throat. But the problem is, is that you can do this with almost every single book. I was going to say, ever if I ever.
1: took a novel, a like 500 page novel, I could write any sentence I basically wanted to if I took words from it. That makes no sense.
0: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: It's so <laughs> a freaking novel. There's a million words in it. I, yeah. Oh, wait. That's, Macy. <laughs> Girl, we forgot to introduce ourselves today. Uh,
0: this is Macy.
2: This is Nicole. Well, I'm MP Priestley.
1: If you can't tell, this ain't a normal episode.
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: there we oh, go! Yay!
2: You we now. You. Oh, look at that! There we go! Finally! I didn't think it was oh gonna work. Oh my gosh! <laughs> see, we we don't really have. I'm not uh, very experienced with the Zoom. I could see you, and I couldn't. I uh, couldn't hear you.
0: Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> no worries. I have to use Zoom like every day for work, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hi it's, nice to, meet it's you. So nice to
2: meet you it's nice to see you too finally, I can finally now that i can finally hear you yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so this is nicole and i'm nice Macy. To nice to meet you nice to meet nice you me too. how are you today <laughs>
2: yeah, not so bad not so bad we're going to be doing uh the ripper tour in, in an hour or two so i'm just looking out the window it doesn't look like a training it should be okay
0: oh yeah. the weather's good. <laughs> that's good that's awesome any,
2: any I day wanna, you don't get drenched is a good one <laughs> That's- are we going to be recording the video as well or just the audio do you want me to
0: both both we are. Just- zoom both? records the uh, video and the yeah, audio i feel like i
2: should i feel like i should right, i'll sit over here and i'll put this uh, um is it okay if i just hold it is that okay or yeah
0: oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah do whatever I you feel most just- comfortable with
2: i thought i thought we might be just doing audio so i didn't realize
0: no it's okay no it does both which is really cool Let's get started. It's to say we have so much.
1: Um so um if we could have you um just introduce yourself, say I'm MP Priestley and maybe give like a little description about the book
0: and then we'll go into there. our questions, yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I'm MP Priestley and I'm the author of Jack the Ripper: One Autumn in Whitechapel, which is a definitive account of the Jack the Ripper mystery. I'm also uh, the walking tour guide for the Jack the Ripper tours here in Whitechapel.
0: Oh my gosh! That's just so cool. That's so awesome. I can't even imagine. I really want to go now. I know. I really. Would
1: love- I'd <laughs> love to go. I'd love to go to England. That's so cool.
0: Okay, so this is incredible. This is it like is a feat.
1: A fantastic book.
0: This is really amazing. And you said it took like three and a half, four years to finish it.
2: Yeah, it says three and a half in the front, but from actually writing the first word to holding the first copy in my hand was about a month short of four years.
0: Wow. wow. Okay. That's so a, a labor amazing. of love. That's so amazing. And like, um, so where did you, I know that you used a lot of like of like original sources. Where did mm-hmm. you have to go to go find all of those things? Were they like really readily available to you?
2: um they are if you go looking for them it's like a lot of um i mean there's a lot of different archives places so there's the national archives there's the tower hamlets like east end archives there's the city of london archives the metropolitan archives blah 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 but a lot of that stuff as well is actually uploaded online as well so a lot of that stuff you can find on like ancestry sort of websites. a lot of the old newspaper because a lot of the um like at the time say there was a murder happening and the police turned up and investigated there'd be an original police fo- file that's in the, in the report somewhere, but also you would then speak at the inquest and all the newspaper guys were there. So like mm-hmm. get a lot of the, um, yeah, I mean, all the original stuff's still there. People often think that the secret Jack the Ripper files or something, and it's not, it's just uh, yeah. If you, if you, if you've got the time and the patience, just sit sit in the archives of us or sift through all these archives that's websites for yeah. months and then you'd be amazed what you can find.
0: Oh, wow. wow. That's fantastic. That's amazing. I'm just like, <laughs> I was just amazed that I, I was like, "Wow, look at all the information in the, here. This the is crazy." Detail is yeah. amazing
1: because you do Thank more you. than just—it's not just Jack the Ripper. You give us like this overview of Whitechapel and what it was like to be there, and it is just—it mm. really puts you almost on the street while things are happening. Yeah, and it's—it's it's just very well written.
0: <laughs> yeah, Thank I you. loved yeah. it. I. I couldn't put it down. I was, this is like, so just a little backstory with this, when we started the podcast, mm-hmm. um, a little less than a year ago, yeah. um, we kind of <laughs> talked to each other about I, this is the case. I have dibs on. Um, right. and Jack the Ripper was the one I was like, I have dibs. <laughs> I, I really want to do dibs. this one. And then when you suggested this, I was like, yes, yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't know anything. I was so excited when you suggested this. Cause I, I just was like, this is, this will be incredible hearing from someone like, who's basically an expert, who's basically an expert on this and knows way more than me and probably has found way more than I could just, you know, (laughs) surfing my little internet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was so cool. Um, you have a bunch of questions. I have so many questions. (laughs) Um, one of my first ones is, I think this is one of yours too, is how, how did you get involved, um, with this case? Like, did you start off doing the tours first or was the book something that you started first? Um, like, just kind so, of explain your journey, yeah, I guess. The love of Jack the, the River, where the, did it come from? Yeah,
2: where did it come from? Well, it was kind of uh, <clears throat> like true crime always fascinated me. So I think the first one I ever read about uh, was Richard Ramirez, uh, The yeah. Night Stalker, when I was about 14 or something. And I, I'd never read anything like that. I was like, what the hell is going on here? And then that kind of, it's a psychology of it that fascinated me, yes. you know what I mean? Rather, rather than the blood and guts. You think like, you can murder a guy today, but why would you do that? And then I, so reading that, then it was, you know all the classics Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and John Gacy and these types of guys. And then if you read any of these books, if you buy a book on Ted Bundy, somewhere in there it mentions Jack the Ripper. Or you buy a book about Ramirez. And he's talking about Jack the Ripper in there. It's kind of the yeah. it's kind of the king of the cold cases. And then when I moved to London and living here in Whitechapel as well, um I started writing the book and then I met a few people doing that. And then I met the boss at the Ripper Tours uh yes, it all kind of fell into place like that. I, I didn't need to do any re- uh, research before I got the job.
0: <laughs> uh, it was
2: a lifelong cool. fascination of mine
0: that's so cool. that's so cool. okay. I gotta get my questions out. I've got so many. I've got so <laughs> many for you um because we've known I noticed at least that a yeah. lot of your book is like factually based, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is amazing. But I was like, what is his opinion? <laughs> I like need to know what he thinks about this <laughs> like um. Okay, so I have where are my notes here? I have like a million questions. You do, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So I was like, wait, what do I want to ask first? Um, one of my questions was, there are all of these. Obviously, in the at the end of the book, you kind of explain who you think that the that the Whitechapel murderer was, Jack the Ripper was. Um, and we'll I I, I want to get to that in a second, but there are a bunch of other like kind of wild other various theories about um like a royal conspiracy Uh or um you know i think it's like prince albert or the grandson of queen victoria there's this whole Uh thing about um like lewis carroll maybe being jack the ripper Mm -hmm. or um there was another one that famous like painter Mm -hmm. um uh, yes yes um (laughs) So like, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Did, like, is it completely baseless? Have you read those books? Like, what do you think about that?
2: I, I've, I used to live right next to Walter Sickett's house in Camden when I, uh, when I first moved on. Yeah. A lot of those uh, suspects that only, they only became suspects kind of more recently. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think uh, Walter Sickett, for example, it was Patricia Cornwell's book that came out about 20 years ago something like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, nobody ever suggested this guy at the time. The, the, the Royal Family Connection, another one that's only a more recent thing what happened was you had you had the case happened back in the day giant sensation then when you got the first world war kind of times everybody forgot about that for a bit then when you got to the 60s and 70s people started getting interested again and in 1976 there was a guy called stephen knight wrote a book called jack the ripper the final solution and there's a mountain of nonsense in the book but it was a mega seller that's the kind that's the book that kind of introduced a whole new generation to the case if you like mm-hmm. but that's the book that talks about the royal family and the freemasons and the illuminati and all this kind of nonsense so all the conspiracies come from that but that's the one that based the movies on then the based the tv series on then yep. some yeah. other guy wrote a book yeah and now you've got two that's Jack how li- i
0: knew about them because yeah. i've seen the johnny <laughs> depp movie from
2: hell Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's one one of all, all of those <laughs> mm-hmm. all of those things they are based on the book rather than the actual case. So if you watch From Hell or, you know, there's a bunch of other movies as well, but if you, there's there's two Jack Rippers, there's the actual Jack Ripper, and then there's the Hollywood guy with his top hat and his cape and his doctor's bag and all this stuff, who was never in the original police files. The police at the time, uh, the H Division Whitechapel murder unit that were hunting them at the time believed that he was a local man living in the immediate area, and he would sit drinking in the local pubs around here in Whitechapel, a, a number of which is still there. And to think he would look and act like anybody else. All sorts of people would have met him and seen him and thought nothing of him. A lot of the prostitutes were in the pubs at the time, and nobody ever seems to have Made compl- he seems to fit right in and then it was the police's opinion that when it gets to about half past 12 one in the morning which was closing time at the time mm. and then he gets kicked out and he's got a buzz going it was the opinion of the police that he would take the scenic route home so imagine he you know there's the pub, and he lives just across the road it's a two-minute walk but it, it, it's a half hour walk to get home he, he's walking around the streets so he's, he's not doing a murder every night mm. but it would be a compulsive obsessive thought with him he's out there all the time and if he doesn't see an opportunity he would go home but the police believe that as he's walking around if he sees you on the corner there and thinks i can do this he would do the deed run like hell he only lives two minutes away somewhere in the immediate area so by the time you find the body in five minutes time he's long gone he's back in the living room and they think that's how we would get away with it basically he's like ted Bundy or peter suckliff or any of these guys but 90 years before but if they'd never caught ted Bundy or peter suckliff or whoever they would say oh i bet he was like this but he was like that and they build him up to be this larger than life guy if you went back in time and grabbed jack the ripper and it was really him he'd be a big disappointment he's going to be this nondescript nobody bum living in the area exactly like the police said exactly like every other serial killer
0: one of my uh like realizations during the book was i've always thought that jack the ripper had like this insane medical knowledge right that like and i think that's like a widely like it is no, like known kind of a thing, people, that's what they like think is that he had all this medical knowledge. And then to read in your book that it was probably more like a butcher's knowledge Mm -hmm. or, um, like some sort of person who maybe worked with animals and knew Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, why do you think that it became widely known that there was this quote unquote medical knowledge when in reality, it was something kind of, On the other side of that, it was like, yeah, he has anatomical knowledge, but he doesn't. He's not a doctor. Like, why do you think that that became a thing? Yeah.
2: Well, what happened in the case was when Annie Chapman was murdered in Hanbury Street, and it was Doctor Phillips did the autopsy, and there was one particular injury at the autopsy. He said, with one sweep of the knife, the killer had done this incision and removed these parts of her abdomen, taken them away, and he said on that for that one injury, on that one instant, once. Whoever did that one injury must have had some sort of anatomical knowledge, he said. Mm-hmm. But there was another half dozen doctors in the case. I mean, there's a Dr. Brown- Yeah, there uh, were who like a ton Eddow's. of them.
1: There was a lot. Yeah,
2: and it's like pretty much nobody agreed with Dr. Phillips on that apart from him. He said he thought there was some sort of medical knowledge. Dr. Brown disagreed when he did Catherine Eddowes' autopsy with Dr. Phillips standing next to him. He said it was it was a ma- one man with a sharp pointed knife used downwards with great violence. And they said that he didn't see any knowledge, he said, not even the skill of a butcher or a horse slaughterer. He said that the the wounds he saw were these horrible jagged wounds, brute force, he'd done it as quick as he could in the dark and ran, is what the original doctor's report said. But then with the movies and the books and 130 years of time, now out comes the scalpel and out comes the doctor's bag, and nobody said that. If you see um, like Richard Chase or somebody who's a Sacramento vampire, yeah, he would do anything, he's so much like Jack the Ripper, I don't believe he hadn't read about it, and when you, if they'd never caught him, he's doing all the same things, out with the intestines and kidneys out and all this, and if they'd never caught him, he did more, you know, operating than Jack the Ripper did, but when you see him, this is clearly not some medical man, Jeffrey Dahmer would do that to you, he worked in a chocolate factory, this whole idea that he was some sort of medical man is wrong, he's like Ted Bundy, but 90 years ago.
0: 90 years before all that. Yeah, that's crazy. 90 years ago Ted Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> um so like one of my questions was um in the book you really describe really well and you have like these pictures as well of um of all of the maps of the of the air, of the area around the time how long did it take you to study those to be able to kind of work out where he could have gone? to get away.
2: Well, I think the advantage I have as well is I live here. You live here. Yeah. yeah, Yes. I mean, uh, literally on on my day off, I I live, you know, I walk past. I'm I'm vividly familiar with the area anyway. And when you see, I mean, if you if you were to come here now and try and guide yourself around with a Victorian map, the streets are exactly the same. I mean, there's very minimal difference. A lot of the buildings have changed, but the street layouts are the same. So I think when you when I've read in books before, oh, he did this and he did this, he must have run this way when you when you live here you couldn't possibly have gone that way because that leads to there or this whatever so it was um i think knowing the area anyway and then yeah looking at the maps Sure, you on the map you must have gone here but the streets are very much the same when you're here i could take you there now and it looks the same oh
1: that's crazy
0: that's crazy because <laughs> i was like that must be so crazy to have to try and figure out where that is but i think you know i don't think that our layout of like cities in the u.s are is like that is the same it's definitely you know
2: cities cities in the u.s you tend like if you go to new york or somewhere it's like a big grid isn't it your first street second street third street and it's like over here i'm assuming i'm not an expert on uh, new york geography but i'd imagine that was all built in one go and over here because everything's like thousands of years old so thousands of years ago some guy built a street and then a couple hundred years after that, somebody well, I'll stick one here, and then it all ends up these, this kind of random maze if you don't know where you're going. But yeah, if you, if you see the old Victorian map and you would have stick that over the top of the Google map, it's 99% exactly the same. I mean, buildings change, but the street layouts and the alleyways are all the same. Wow, that's great.
0: that's amazing. That's really any
2: cool. anywhere in the uh, anywhere in the book that you read about, it's still standing there. The buildings might change, but it's still there.
1: Wow, that that actually sounds like Boston. That's yeah. How, that's how Boston is yeah. laid out. Is it was mm. just like, oh, we need a street here, and we need a street here, and now mm. it's this huge maze. Good luck.
2: <laughs> Whenever anybody comes to London for the first time, they always tell me they find it hard to get around because all the streets look the same.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine.
0: Okay, so I I'm gonna get kind of into the case now. I have okay. I have some like Dive major deep. burning questions. Dive deep,
1: girl. <laughs> um,
0: okay. I guess we'll talk about. Um, I want to make sure I get her name right because I'm like, just paranoid that I'm going to say it wrong. Catherine's murder, um, the Mm -hmm. double murder. Um, so that kind of, because i i I remember getting through those whole first couple of chapters like relatively easily Mm -hmm. and then you get to catherine's chapter and it's long and there was a Mm -hmm. lot of information that also included elizabeth's murder like they were kind Mm -hmm. of like this little the kind
2: of the the timeline runs over a bit yeah yeah
0: there's like like this 10 pages about elizabeth and then like very quickly it moves on to catherine and then there's this you know, larger, they need to investigate both of them Mm. at the same time. It's very confusing. So do you think you kind of suggested in the book that, um, possibly he got interrupted or maybe she rejected his advances, Elizabeth, I'm sorry, rejected Mm -hmm. his, um, advances. And then he kind of just murdered her, um, in like a rage or, you know, something like that. But then you, you, go to Catherine. And it seems like this massive amount of overkill, like her face is mutilated. That's something that hasn't happened in the previous murders. Like, do you think it was that he was just incensed by what had happened earlier or that, Like, I just want to get your thoughts on this. (laughs) I just, I don't understand. I
2: think that that what you see in Mitre Square, I think that's the kind, I think the only reason he did that to Catherine Ados and not to Elizabeth Stride is because he had the opportunity to do it. So people often say things like, when Elizabeth Stride was found and she's not mutilated, uh, like Catherine Ados would be. So people often say, oh, he must have been disturbed there. And you think, well, if he, but she was still found on her back, head to the side, hand across the chest. Yeah, she still has all the posing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it doesn't look at all to me like he was, some people think maybe when louis dean just pulled in with his podium and card he hid behind the gate or something and ran away i'm not having her at all i think if he did possibly get disturbed it might have been in Mitre square because from all of the victims from annie chapman through to francis cole's she's the only one that didn't have a hand lying across the chest so i thought perhaps he might have actually been disturbed in Mitre square rather than rather i think than possibly
0: the other way Yes.
2: But. The fact that he didn't put the signature hand across the chest in Mitre Square, despite doing everything else, but he did do that every other crime scene, that's possible, I mean, I wasn't there, but I I would think possibly he might have been disturbed there and he might have been disappointed that he didn't get to do that. As an important part of his fantasy, he might have got and felt disappointed he didn't get to do it. Also, if he did write the graffiti in the doorway in Goulson Street after the double murder, I thought if he... Had been spooked and didn't have the time to put a hand on the chest, perhaps he might have intended to write the message of Miter Square instead, because there was also, uh, when Annie Chapman was murdered in the yard of number 29 Hanbury Street, there was a reporter claimed that there was chalk graffiti written on the back of the house that said right. five, 15 more, and I give myself up. And I thought, so if that was true, maybe he did write that other graffiti, and maybe he would actually have intended it to write it at the crime scene like he did in Hanbury Street. But I wasn't there, so we don't know. But I also <laughs> think that the violence, I think the violence that you see in Mitre Square, he would have done that previously. Just the the situation he was in, he either didn't feel comfortable, he didn't have the time. Something, something. I mean, even when he, even by his standards, the murder of Elizabeth Stride, which is the first one, was outrageously dangerous. By the side of the working right. men's club, the door yes, was open. Like, this right, very signal.
0: public. Yeah. Mm. Much like, more even public by his than the standards. rest of them
2: you couldn't do that again and get away with it and it's the only murder at that point it's south of commercial road so i think that possibly uh it, in the book she was seen by a witness uh a guy called james brown amusingly yeah. enough talking uh, to a guy a quarter to one which according to dr blackwell is moments before the the murder should have taken place and there's nobody else in the streets i think that has to be the guy there and then she's telling him no maybe not not tonight maybe some other night and maybe he didn't like that. It's the only murder that's taken place south of commercial road. He could have thought, oh, she's noticed it's me, she's got she's onto me. I, I, anything could have happened. But I thought he maybe didn't intend to do that one there, has run and then has felt more comfortable, secluded, much more secluded spot in my the squares yeah, than what he rare. intended to do, probably the first time, and then run away.
0: Okay. Yeah, I just thought it was like very interesting that it goes from, you know, there's this similar posing you know, there's this similar mutilation other than Elizabeth stride. And then you get to Catherine and her face. Like, I mean, you have pictures in here, it's completely disfigured. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was just, you know, knowing some stuff up that we, that we do, you know, <laughs> knowing some of the um, psychology and stuff that we've kind of just learned through doing this podcast and our own kind of weird fascination. Um, that suggested to me that there was some sort of anger or, Um, like, you know, just, there had to be some reason why there was such overkill, you know, because maybe something happened or, you know, you know, he got, he almost got caught or whatever. And I just thought that that was so like, I don't for lack of a better word, crazy (laughs) that all of a sudden it's like, this is, he's killed this woman and post her, but there's no mutilation. And then to go completely the other way. And it's like horrific. And, you know, still same posing and stuff like that. Like what happened between those well, two it, moments? It, it, that something, that I,
2: something I think is important that nobody ever acknowledges either is that uh, I think he was almost certainly drunk or high as a kite on drugs at the time he did it. Which, which nobody ever wants to hear that because he always got a top hat and a you cape and a doctor's bag. like, bike.
0: oh, he's just he's, a psycho, yeah. you know, he's just crazy. But, but it's
2: like, you see the movies, you never see Jack Ripper doing drugs in the movie. And it's just like, people don't want to hear it. But if I told you that Richard Ramirez used to drink and do drugs before, when he went out murdering people, who would be surprised by that? And this guy's excited the same, but he's 90 years before. The way that he commits the murders, uh, to me, uh, implies that he's either mentally ill, which you think will be a given, but you could be sane and sensible legally and be a serial killer. Uh, or you're drunk or you're high as a kite because he it's not if you ignore the violence and stuff he's doing to people it's the that from his point of view the danger he's putting himself in when he commits these acts he seems right. oblivious to it so when he's in the yard at number 29 hanbury street for example murdering annie chapman there's 17 people in the house the only toilets in the yard and everybody's getting up for work yeah. so if i'm in the yard there murdering somebody and then you come out the back door and use that only toilet You've trapped me in the yard. I mean, there's no way you could have done that and got away with that again. If anybody had come out when when he's doing the murder and Albert Kadosh comes out of the house next door twice, you think if you come out of that door instead of that one, you were going to the gallows. There's no way you could have done that again. I think yeah. also there's a three-week gap between the murder of Annie Chapman and the double murder. Maybe he woke up the next day horrified that they were gonna come and get him. You don't know that. He might have. And I think the fact that he the fact that he seems completely oblivious to the danger and risk he's putting himself in mm-hmm. and then staying at the scene for 10 minutes to keep doing this he, it would imply to a modern case he's either drunk or he's mentally ill or he's on drugs and at the time i mean you could legally buy cocaine and heroin in the shops in Whitechapel at the time that was no problem yeah. you could go into you could have gone into the shop bought a bottle of scotch a massive bag of cocaine get absolutely out of your mind and then run around causing trouble which is what everybody else did and you think why exactly he would be running around sober with his top hat and his doctor's bag is ridiculous. Starting <laughs> yeah. like
0: behind corners yeah. and like you know. Like, well, turning Richard, around Ramirez,
2: <laughs> Richard Ramirez said I read an interview with him ages ago and he said he would be he would get it into his mind he knew he was going to go murdering again and he knew what he wanted to do and he had 99% of the nerve to do it he said so he would get in the car driving around he's got a bottle of vodka in his car and he be smoking cocaine in the car yeah. So after 20 minutes of this, now he's in the mood. Now, now he's not scared about the police coming. He's got his, and I think this guy, in my opinion, is exactly the same. And you can see that by the way he's doing his crimes, but nobody ever suggests that, you know, how did he, how did he have the nerve to do that and get away? Cause he's drunk and out of his face. At he the time. Can't even I like,
0: you know, yeah. it's like you have blinders on, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't even, you're just so focused on the task that you have at hand that you're not mm-hmm. even worried about your. Your surroundings. surroundings. And Mm -hmm. I found that very interesting. um, Again, going back to the book. This is why I have it in my lap. Um, (laughs) It was, no, it wasn't Mary's murder. There was, which was the one that was found underneath the lamp, like the lamp post.
2: It was Alice McKenzie in Castle Alley.
0: Yeah. Like that is, that's so brazen to me. Yeah. You are Mm. out in the middle of the street there are two mm-hmm. police officers on their beat mm-hmm. walking around and you are directly underneath a, a street, street lamp. Mm-hmm. You-
2: something, something that's interesting there as well is that it's um it's that murder in particular wasn't long after the pubs are closed so when I said the police were saying they think he was in local pubs and then he come out off drunk at night time and have a walk around by the, by the murder of Alice McKenzie there. She's right next to a whole load of pubs on the high street. And they'd only kicked out in the last half an hour. I think the police were probably on the ball there. I think whoever that was, I think he was probably drunk and or on drugs again. I think with all all of the murders. I think, the, the like the police said, they think he was in the pubs, he'd be doing what he's doing. Then when he gets kicked out at half past 12, one in the morning, after having a night in the pub, he takes a walk around and he's walking on the streets. And I think that's a prime example and, uh, the murder of Elizabeth Stride, uh, the pubs are only closed within half an hour before that
0: yeah
2: it's a oh man but the, the murder of uh, alice mckenzie i'm glad you mentioned that because lots of people overlook that, that one because you think at the time that was a hundred percent attributed to a jack ripper murder but every amount of the headlines and the news coverage the other ones did but since that, that book came out the movies, on oh, there's a conspiracy and only five people like alice mckenzie or francis cole's have been kind of forgotten a bit
0: yeah i noticed that when um I, I've I've been doing like a little just research on my own, other than the book, mm-hmm. and they only mention the five. Yeah. Yeah, and but, I, but, I was but, like, but, wait, where are these so other people? There's so many more. <laughs> I thought that I thought that there were more people, and they like, they're in the file. Yeah. I've read this that they're in the file, but some of them are attributed to him, and then some of them are are not. I know mm. there was that young lady at the very beginning, Emma. Mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. they thought was him for a while but then it turned out because you know she confessed or well, not confessed but mm-hmm. on her deathbed said it was like a local gang but at first yeah she was it, her murder was attributed to jack the ripper yeah um mm-hmm. even though it like she said on her deathbed that it wasn't so it's like why is c- it c- still attributed to of- him
2: Kind of only more recently. So you've got people to talk about I mean, there's, there's the Jack the Ripper murders and there's the Whitechapel murders, if you like, and basically the same thing, I suppose. But often when people talk about the Whitechapel murders, they'll throw Emma Smith in there, and they sometimes throw a woman called Rose Millet in at the end, who was yes, actually killed. Yes, in, I read about her. Yeah, I read yeah.
0: about
2: her. And she was actually killed in Poplar or died in Poplar. They're not even sure she was murdered, but it's about three and a half miles from here. So I don't really know why they include that one. In the white murders but there's say so there's 10 murders altogether if you include those two that were murders in the east end at about that kind of time of which nobody was arrested and of which basically all but two of the jack the ripper murders but sometimes yeah when people talk about the murders they always throw them in there despite the fact at the time i mean what happened was she got attacked they took her to the hospital the police went down she told them it was a gang a teenage gang one of them was a youth of about 19 and then died and then, yes, yeah, so nobody at the time really said, oh, my God, it's another Jack the Ripper murder. I mean, that was before the murders anyway, but only kind of in more, in the last few decades, really, as anybody suggested, maybe that was the same guy. And all you have to do is look at the original file to see if it wasn't.
0: Yeah, because I remember, I remember in your book, it said like, oh this has been kind of attributed but then i but then you read the thing where she could said that they that there was a gang that did it i was like then wait i thought there were much more
2: much more interesting ones like there were ones um uh, there was a woman called Malvina Haynes was attacked in a railway arch at Lehman Street railway station. Uh it was two o'clock in the morning. Somebody dragged her in there, pulled a knife, and it, they said there was a big incision in her head, and she was taking the horse. In in my opinion, I think that's almost certainly the same guy. And the, the railway archer she was attacked in is about it's on the same railway line, about six arches down from Swallow Gardens, where Francis oh, Colls yeah. was murdered from in North 1891. North so I mean, if you can literally see one arch from the other, it's a block, it's a couple hundred meters away. That's it. So I think whoever that was dragging a woman in and attacking her into a railway arch is the same guy that later did that Francis Coles. everybody's forgotten about that. There was a woman called Annie Millwood uh, was attacked up and stabbed in Whitechapel I think was probably the same guy. There were a number of other attacks in the area that you can't prove it was the same guy, but I'm very suspicious that it wasn't, I think the police thought it was, Uh, but yes, Emma Smith wasn't one of those and it's only it's only kind of more recent times people say that.
0: Do you think that um. The person or persons who committed those murders was maybe kind of um, riding on the coattails of Jack Doris. The uh, they were like, "Oh, if I do this, they're just going to attribute it to him."
2: Yeah. No, well, no, I mean, the, the murder of Emma Smith was actually before. no uh, that the, was before. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 was, that was before the original Jack Ripper. So I suppose if you were going to say that, you'd have to say it about maybe uh, Rose Millet. Uh, some people might say oh, that's a copycat, but, I mean, some people said it was a freak accident. It wasn't even obvious that she was being murdered either. So it's you um, know I think I think the the killer at the time uh, the the police believe he did eight murders in eight, between eighteen eighty eight and eighteen ninety one, and they were the Jack the Ripper murders and it's only in the hundred years since and all oh, for the conspiracy to work there can only be five victims and now people have seen the movie and then the debate whether those other three were actually victims of the same man but nobody debated there at the time. The police at the time said Martha Tabram, mm-hmm. Mary Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, Mary Kelly, Alice Mackenzie and Francis Coles we're, all- uh, were the eight victims yeah. of yeah the jack the ripper murders but also if you'd never because they never caught him if you went back in time and grabbed him and it was really him he might have done all these other things as well you, you just don't right. know about it. but at right. the very least there's eight murders and a number of other attacks that you'll have read in the book where there was a few women you know got attacked but screamed and run away, but it appears to be the same man. Okay, All
0: right, so I want to get into the one I'm like, really, really interested in Mary Kelly's murder. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> um. Okay. So there was this, there was this theory that you suggested in, in your book that either he had, or she had invited him into her mm-hmm. rooms, you know, willingly, or <laughs> that he had maybe she had fallen asleep while drunk and had forgotten because there was that other woman who was waiting for her um her i, I don't know she wasn't married to him but the, the man that she was living with and she had to push and she, the she stuff. could hear her singing it. Yeah. yeah and she had to like push yeah. the stuff against the door yeah oh yeah, to, yes
2: yes yes I, like, Yeah. lock it yeah.
0: right <laughs> yeah. and so that he possibly, if she had fallen asleep while she was drunk and had forgotten to push the stuff against the door that he possibly could have gotten in that way. And mm-hmm. then the door jammed maybe. And that, cause that you couldn't open it from the outside yeah. and that, or that <clears throat> he even took the key mm-hmm. and then either took the key and left or couldn't get out and climbed out the window. Like how,
2: yeah.
0: how do you think he got into that? Do you think that she invited him in? <clears throat>
2: Well, what happened that night was she was because the, the witness reports are a bit sketchy.
0: Yeah, they're very as well. So varied. Yeah,
2: very it looks buried. like <laughs> she she was out and about drunk, and then at about half past midnight she was in the room singing songs with a candle on, and then the light was out. And it and then when she was found murdered, the the clothes were piled neatly at the bottom of the bed. And it's right. just some people said, oh, she must have gone out met some guy and come back. But I don't know why anybody thinks that. I think that's just an assumption on a character because though she was a prostitute, she must have been doing this. It's like I think the The witness report said, at about half past 12, the light was off, she wasn't singing anymore, it looks like she was probably asleep, so for the sake of argument, she could have turned the light out and then gone out to find somebody else, that would also explain why there's no room and no noise and no light on, but when I think what what I believe has happened, I think he's a prowler. I don't think she's gone out and met him. Uh it's it's six weeks after the double murder. The right. the intensity in the area. If you were Jack the Ripper walking around there, you would be extremely aware that they're all looking for you. And this time he's he's sort of off the beaten track. It's down a little courtyard somewhere. I think. The, the easiest way to explain everything that's happened is the, he's a prowler and what he's doing is he's peeping tom he's peeping through the windows and he's trying doors. if i told you that ted bundy used to do that nobody would be surprised at all but for some reason they don't want to hear about this about jack the ripper mm-hmm. i think he's a prowler and i think he's gone around there he's trying doors and if he had turned up in the middle of the night because if you remember in the morning the body was discovered when thomas boyer put his hand through the put window through the
0: window yeah, yeah yeah
2: there was a broken window So he put his hand through the broken window pulled the curtain back and then looking into the room, could see her on the bed. Had the killer, theoretically, if she'd gone to bed at about half past 12, which it looks like she did, and then the killer turned up, he could have turned up at any time in the next few hours. I think he probably got there about four in the morning, but say if she's gone to sleep, she could have been asleep for about three hours. He's come round, try in the doors, the woman upstairs like you said had to barricade the door closed because there was no locks on the door she right. said i think he's come around he's seen that broken window he could have put his hand through the window exactly like he did he could have looked through seen the sewer on a bed by itself tried the door and it's open and then when he's gone in there her clothes are all neatly piled at the bottom of the bed the when the murder took place she was lying in the bed under the cover with a head on the pillow in the top right corner mm-hmm. any idea that you know if, if that was you when you were escort prostitute you bring it why why would the situation be like that it's ridiculous And it's like i think what's clearly happened is she's taken off her clothes put them there to go to sleep he's come around in the middle of the night looked through the door tried the door and it's open and if that was the case when you hear the um there were two reports of somebody shouting murder that seemed to come from her room at about four o'clock in the morning i reckon that's exactly what was going on i, I think he's come around he's, and then once the door's locked he's had a good two hours in there he appears to have lit a fire in the uh in the fire grate. The police he was police. throwing just...
0: the other lady's clothes in there right to keep it yes to keep it going mm. so yeah. we had light
2: Mm-hmm. And then the police, yes, he had like to see what he was doing. So in that particular one, it looks like he's probably been there for a couple of hours. But when the body was then discovered and they went to open the door, the door was locked or it appeared to be locked. So they called John McCarthy down, who was Mary Kelly's landlord. But despite right. the fact the door was locked, he didn't seem to have a spare key and had to resort to breaking the door open with a pickaxe when he got there, which seemed unusual. But then the police report later said, or one of them later said, um that when it actually got in the room the door wasn't actually locked because this was the mystery how could the door be locked when there wasn't a key inside the room right so for the, if the door was locked this is where it gets complicated if the door was locked there has to have been a key in the room when the murderer was there and he has to have taken it with him as he couldn't have locked the door simple as that you couldn't have done it the police said that uh the key had actually been missing for a few weeks uh because they'd lost the key or whatever and there wasn't the key there so how the door was locked would be a mystery then they said there was a there was something wrong with a lock and the thing the killer had gone in the room whoever had closed that door last which has to be the killer had done something there was a spring in the lock; it was some weird lock and he jammed the lock sh- shut he then spent two hours in there doing the murder then presumably being aghast to realize that he can't get the door open is jammed so the police believe he'd actually lifted up the, the larger of those two windows stepped out in the hallway into the in the courtyard pulled yeah. the window down and then disappeared and that was how the police believe he did it and catherine prater who was uh, not the woman that lived upstairs but she was the one complaining about her singing earlier on had said that at about quarter past six in the morning she'd heard somebody walk he heard down somebody, the
1: you know, yeah in the courtyard, but didn't yeah. hear a
2: door close behind him anything very circumstantial but if he and if he climbed out the window that's exactly you would have heard someone walk down the hallway but no door be, closed behind him i think that's where he's done i think he's seen us through the window tried his look at the door and it's open he's gone in she shouted he's been lucky enough that nobody's come running down He's been there for two hours, realized he's got the door jammed, should climbed out the window and gone. And I think that's how he's done it.
0: Do you think that, cause this, this particular murder was, I mean, they were all very brutal and Mm -hmm. terrible, but this one seems to be like, I don't even know like this poor woman in your book it's you considerably
2: said- more graphic and violent yes. it he, But he's also spent a lot more time at the scene. So yes. if you imagine if, if he's doing the murder of catherine eddowes or elizabeth stride or any of the other murders he's in a he's in a public spot yes anybody in can come street. along at any moment and if anybody does come along you're going straight to the hangman and they're going to be real nasty about it in the meantime with this one the police believe he was there. it might the square for example dr brown said it had taken at least five minutes Dr Bond at the Mary Kelly scene said taking at least two hours and said so he'd been in there at least a couple of hours, he had no hurry to get away. So I think what you when he's doing his murders, he's acting on a conscious fantasy in his head, something he's seen, heard or read about excites him to such a degree, this is what he's trying to act out with the crime scene. So when you see, when you see Mary Kelly on the bed there, that's a physical manifestation of his sexual fantasy, so he has kind of escalated that throughout the murders. But he spent a long time thinking about this he didn't just wing it when he was in there he knew everything he wanted to do and this was his opportunity now the door's closed he doesn't have to just do a half job and run away this is what it, if he if he'd had the opportunity to do that to the other victims he would have he would have so yeah. if you see, yes if you see that was my next you know, question was like do you think
0: that this was part of the fantasy all along and he just mm-hmm. didn't have the time but now that he did yes. have like she they said that like she was skinned to the bone like mm-hmm. that takes a lot of effort and a lot of time to be able it, it, to it's do like, that.
2: It's, it's very Jeffrey Dahmer, something like that. When you see Mary Kelly on the bed, it looks like a, Je- I mean, fact it's a woman on the bed. It looks like a Jeffrey Dahmer crime scene. But, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer or Randy Kraft would do that to you or Richard Chase would do that to you. But these guys would do this in the house where the door's blocked. And the idea that he's doing this in the street, when, he, when he's in Mitre Square and he hasn't put the hand across the chest, and you think, yeah, perhaps he was disturbed if he hadn't been disturbed maybe that would have been even worse and he had to run you, you see once he's behind the door then after that murder when he kills alice mckenzie and it's kind of back to back to normal if you like it's not as yeah, graphic man. again. But, but again he's back in the street again so i bet if alice mckenzie had said oh i've got a private room back here we wouldn't go there i bet you'd have seen another mary kelly scene but he didn't have the opportunity to do it and he was forced to run
0: right because I thought it was interesting too um and I and I wondered you know was this a victim of opportunity or or what because Mary Kelly was significantly younger than mm-hmm. his other victims and mm-hmm. so I cuz a lot of them were in their like 30s or 40s mm-hmm. and she was what like 26 25, 25 or something like that yeah. and um like I just thought that that was just interesting and then there was another victim who was around that age too so the whole mm-hmm. um you know, uh, they, they, they say that a lot of these serial, um, offenders have mm. like a, like a victim type. And it seemed like he did until yep. he picked these younger girls, mm-hmm. but then I was, but like, in a way
2: though, that was, that might also strengthen the people in theory. Really. Right. Do you think if he'd met her on the high street, there'd have been all sorts of women shaped you know, all sizes, shapes, age, and the age of consent was 12 at the time. So you think, I mean, there'd have been all sorts of people on the street corner, <laughs> you didn't have to, you didn't have to specifically keep going for women who were the same age, the same height. Like you said, we'll call out your victim profile. So you didn't just wake up this morning and think that's it, I'm going murdering. You were spending years of your life thinking about it, fantasizing about it. By the time he goes out, to commit his first murder he spent a long time thinking about what he wants to do what weapon he wants to use what sort of person he wants to do this against he's got the whole thing meticulously planned so you could argue that if he when he's out on the street and all these there's been all sorts of women coming up to talk to him but he right. waits until one fit in that exact description so he meets you randomly and by chance but it's not a coincidence that you look like the last one you see what i mean right, so right. I, you could argue that if he'd met mary if mary kelly had you know been in there drunk singing and gone out to meet more guys had he met her on the street i would imagine he would have walked away because she's she's she doesn't fit the profile she's too young right. i think if he'd met her all sorts of younger women would have come to talk to him and he never goes with him and i think if he was looking through the window in the dark he would have been unable to see that she was 25 years old it would have been a woman on the bed facing the other way from him it could have been anybody and it, i think if he'd met her on the street she doesn't fit the profile. Had he been a peeping Tom, you would have been unable to tell from the window how old she was.
0: Right, right. All he sees great. is like, I could, okay, I can yeah. get this door be a open. Dark,
2: it would be a dark figure with long hair in the bed. That, that, that's all you would see from, from, from where he was. Right. And then, I think he's tried the door, gone in, she screamed murder. You'd have had about half a second to realize who this was. And then, then he's locked the door, he's lit the fire and it's all done by then.
0: Yeah. Right. And in your book, you said that he probably like, like strangled them or something first, or got them unconscious, yeah. Yes. So that he could lay them down because they mm-hmm. were all found on their backs, mm-hmm. with their heads turned <clears throat> to the one to one side, mm-hmm. and their hand over their chest, and mm-hmm. then like I th- like their intestines over their shoulder. Is that what you? Yes,
2: intestines stuff? over the right shoulder, hand across the chest, legs apart, clothes pulled up. There are slight variations from. Crime yes, scene, the crime scene, crime scene, because he scene might have been disturbed or whatever. But yes, the, the 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 typical Jack the Ripper murder, if you like, was when the police turned up. There's the victim on the back, head to the side, hand across the chest, legs apart, clothes pulled up chest high, intestines out over the right shoulder, <clears throat> blood smeared across them. he smeared feculent matter across Catherine Eddowes at the crime yeah. scene and actually removed a two foot section of a colon and placed it next to her, which. Um, that's another thing that's surprising it's like I, I could name you a bunch of serial killers that would do that i would struggle to name another one that, could, that would do that in the street in a put in full public in a view public
0: like place that. Oh, yeah. yeah
2: yes it's very great yeah, like, um, like i said jeffrey darma would do that but he'd get you back to the house where the doors close and nobody's coming around i think <clears throat> you think if you would if you're doing murders in the street you'd think if you just murdered somebody run but you don't you hang around for five minutes chopping them up and this this Goes back to that thing where is he drunk or mentally ill or on drugs to do this? But, right. but yeah, even in the world of serial killers and all the all the modern serial killers we know today, the Jack the Ripper murders are right out of the top drawer, if you like, with the the outrageous violence. And I think people are seeing it as the, oh, it's this old thing, and they not really that even if this was happening now, it would still be outrageous. It's like I, I can't think of another case. Like, are you familiar with Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper, in the UK? Yeah. Anyway. yeah we know right uh, so, like, he, 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 he's, a little so, bit you know, I, 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 sometimes, I, over in the uk everybody knows who he is but i would ask in case people are listening going who but um i no, think hey, if you hear there was just that if,
0: documentary if you, on netflix so. yeah. <laughs> i'm sure oh, yeah, yeah, everybody not, knows okay yeah.
2: it's, like, uh, it's but i mean he, he's he's very similar in that he would be he'd be in the town in public view picking up the woman but then he'd get you in the car and take you somewhere quiet right you, you know it's like it, the idea that he's literally on foot just doing this that's I mean, I'm sure it's not unique, but it's extremely rare. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Let me get my questions back out. <laughs> yes. I like it. So, uh, <clears throat> like, interested in what you're saying. Um, I had a question about the letters. Um, mm-hmm. do you think that those were um completely a hoax, or do you think that? Maybe one or two of them were real, or like, because I know that a lot of people just kind of wanted to be a part of it and wanted, <clears throat> you know, the sens- yeah. the sensationalism to be, you know, a part of their lives. Um, <clears throat> but I I've always heard about the Dear Boss letter, <clears throat> always. Um, and I've I've heard about the From Hell letter before, um, where he got the piece of the of the liver. Um, <clears throat> but do you think that any of them were? legitimate or do you think that they were all completely hoax
2: I think they're all a hoax I think they're all hoax with the exception of possibly one but right there, there are two letters that everybody mainly remembers there's a dear boss letter yeah. which uh, was signed jack the ripper so there are two schools of thought on that letter the first school of thought is that the killer wrote it the second school of thought is that a guy called thomas bulling wrote it and thomas bulling was the boss at the newspaper agency dear boss he's he's the boss so he's got the letter he's the guy that went hey look at this letter i've got once right. he printed that in the newspaper overnight he's doing quadruple the copies he was the day before i have seen another letter <clears throat> there's actually a letter printed in the book uh, by thomas bulling where he wrote today the, the, and if you look in his handwriting compared to the D. boss letter i didn't go out i didn't go full out in the book and say look how similar the handwriting is but if you look at the two, i think that's amazingly similar i think he faked it but whether you think the killer wrote it or he didn't that was the one that gave him the name so that was the first time jack ripper was ever used if you went back in time and met annie chapman and mentioned jack ripper she's never heard of him that, that was what gave him the name so everybody remembers that one then the, uh, the From Hell letter that you mentioned that allegedly had part of Catherine Eddow's kidney in it. People remember that because if it did, indeed, if that was indeed half of her kidney, it has to have come from the killer. But right. the doctors were not sure about that at the time. Some of the doctors thought it had come from a butcher's shop. The medical expertise at the time, if you had a kidney in one hand, it was a human kidney and a pig kidney in the other. You couldn't tell.
0: Yeah, so some of them
2: and they said, whoever sent this thing in the post—if I—if I yanked out my kidney now, i was got all these tubes and stuff coming off it. Whoever sent these—this thing through the post had trimmed all of these off before it was sent. So they said, even if it was hers, there was no way to match this to the to one the that body. was on the autopsy. Yeah. Said, right. yeah. So the—the the, the opinion at the time was that it was almost certainly a hoax. But the police also said that once that dear boss letter hit the newspaper, it was such a mega news story. They said it became a national pastime. Every idiot in the country was writing ripper letters. So if you, if you don't like that guy down the road, or you want to wind up the police, or you want to freak out that guy, you can't stand I'm Jack the Ripper, I'm going to get you, you better watch out, I'll send that through the post to you. There's no way you'll find out that was from me in Victorian times, but you'll freak out, contact the police, now they've got to investigate this because it might be a threatening letter, there are literally thousands of them all together. And the police said it was just a massive waste of time. One of the biggest problems they had was chasing up these hundreds of letters all the time. when yeah, meanwhile it off I was so gonna, ones.
0: we talked mm. about that, yeah. that they, let like, we were texting back and forth. I was like, do you feel that, like, their investigation was completely hindered mm. by the public? It was oh, completely, I massive waste totally of time. I yeah. feel yeah. like was. it was.
2: I mean, there was, there were so many Jack the Ripper letters. Every now and again, one turns up on eBay or somewhere. I literally saw one sale on eBay, written by some idiot in the middle of nowhere. I'm Jack the oh, Ripper, God. you better watch tell- out. Next time I see it, I'm going to buy it and take it on a rip or two. It's a real, I'll get it laminated.
0: I have it. <laughs> but
2: but the, the, the the only letter that nobody ever remembers, I think if there was one out of the literally thousands of them, there was possibly a legit one. It was sent before the Dear Boss letter. And it's in it's in the book as well. And it was sent to the chief of police. And it said, like, I'll, I'll send you the, the full thing. I'm paraphrasing here. But it said, uh, Dear Sir, I am in misery with nightmares. I am the one that did these murders, wouldn't you like to see me? And then he'd drawn these pictures, but it was as if a two-year-old had drawn it, but it was like a drawing of a knife and it said photo of knife across the top. And then there was another one with a, uh, he'd drawn like a coffin and it said something, this is the coffin for the ladies I put to sleep. And, and he think that is a thousand times more sinister because this was before the Jack the Ripper letter. It was never signed Jack the Ripper. So whoever wrote that letter was not influenced by the mayhem media right. sensation of that other one yeah i also if there was one letter that was genuinely potentially a legit one it's, it's that one but everybody's completely forgotten about it it's um yeah if, if you google the jack the ripper misery with nightmare letter something like that it'll be real obscure but you, you can read it and i think that if there was one legit that's the only one in my opinion all the rest of them are fake in a modern case it would say uh like a serial killer it's pretty rare even though you hear about them all the time, So you think they're everywhere um uh, a serial killer who would actually contact the police or ring you on the phone and laugh at you and this kind of thing, is about one in a hundred serial killers, it almost never happens. So you've got like the Zodiac killer, the BTK, the son of Sam, possibly Jack the Ripper, can you name many more? There's not many more. And then they would say in a modern case, if 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 I was the serial killer and I'm writing you letters to laugh at you, the whole point of doing that is to extend my thrill, the whole um, motive for me doing it is the thrill I get out of doing the murder. So I do a murder, ooh, that was thrilling, and it wears off. So then I do another murder, and I leave the body somewhere where you're going to find it and freak out. And then, oh, I bet you find it, it draws it out for longer. I bet you freaking. Then I'll ring you on the phone or I'll write you a letter and draw it out for as long as I can. But the whole reason for doing that in a modern case that would say that me writing the letter, it is absolutely imperative that when you read this letter, you 100% accept without question, this really is me contacting you. Otherwise, what's the point of sending it to you? If, If you don't think it's me, it's not going to freak you out. Why would I bother? So when you get a serial killer writes letters like the Zodiac or the BTK or whoever, you tend to put information in there that's either only known to you to drive home the fact that this really is me talking to you so you better be freaking out or he might say why he's doing it he might give like the zodiac killer let us say things like and again i'm paraphrasing but this is where i shot him this is where the gun i use I, i use this type of ammo the blood went there he was wearing this and then when you read this this is clearly obvious this has to be the killer and that's the whole point with the jack the ripper letters hundreds and hundreds of them all of the all they ever say is i'm jack the ripper you better watch out i'm gonna get you
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. Any,
2: yeah, any Anybody could be writing these. So it's like when the uh, the Zodiac kill would write them, because it was fakes arriving then. So he would send his letters and add these symbols and this thing. So you knew it was from him. Jack Ripper never does any of that. All it ever says, you better watch out. I'm going to get you. And I think if this was happening now, I don't believe the police will be sending thousands of officers investigating all these letters. I think no, see they it was just some massive like waste toss it time.
0: in the bin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Was, I think they'd send that in the profile and we'll forget about that.
0: Because there was never any details in those letters that would have convinced investigators no. that exactly. this it was the real mm. person. Because there yeah, was- Anybody like,
2: reading the paper could have done it.
0: Yeah, because it was mm. just all stuff that was widely known yeah. by the public.
2: Mm. Not If, there, were, if there was a single detail in there, if he'd said- I don't know, Annie Chapman was wearing this, or I don't know, whatever. He he could have put something in there that only he could have known.
0: Mm Right, But he didn't.
2: He never does that. Zodiac Killer does that frequently. The BTK, Dennis Rader, he would take his own TV. You'd be tied up getting murdered. He would take his own crime scene pictures on a Polaroid, then scan them in and send them across. So this was obviously apparent that this really was the murderer messaging you. And you think, all of this, yeah, he he doesn't do anything. All it ever says is just, you better watch out. I'm going to get you, blah, blah, blah. And that's it. And there's thousands of them.
0: Oh, I just remember, this is my favorite thing to say about BTK, is that when he said that thing that was like, can I send you a, a floppy, floppy disk? And the police were like, no.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> in the Lonely Hearts column, send it across, it'll be no problem. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we definitely can't track you at all.
2: Mm. I bet he's still kicking himself right now. I bet he likes thinking about <laughs> that. Thing. Because he
0: wrote it from the church computer.
2: <laughs> yeah. like, didn't, didn't he do a murder in the church as well? I'm sure he did a murder in the church, didn't he? I it wasn't know. it something ridiculous like he, he was I, I'm not I'm not the BTK not in the expert. Not at the church that he went to. Didn't wasn't there something? I, I'm prepared to be wrong. I'm not I'm not the BTK expert. But didn't wasn't, wasn't exactly he a scout right. master or something? And he there was some scout trip or something. And he sneaked out in the middle of the night and went and murdered someone in the church and went back. Didn't he do that? Maybe. Well, okay. I, 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 might I might be wrong. I might be familiar. Not familiar the, 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 we haven't covered a, him
0: yet, so
2: if there's a, a, a Dennis trader expert watching now, I might have got that totally wrong. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure Somebody's he did. Somebody's going to be church. like, that's not right. <laughs> so I remember thinking if he worked at the church and did a murder in the church, that cannot be right. I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to read the book again. I'm, I'm sure he did a murder in a church. I'm sure.
0: I'd have to. I mean, I'm, gonna have to, time, I'm gonna have to look this up later. The, yeah, I'm gonna have to. Look, we'll let you know. <laughs> I
2: we'll might let, be totally wrong on that. I might be totally wrong on that one. <laughs>
0: You'll get a text from us during the during your tour. We'll be like, By we the found way. it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm almost done, and then Nicole can get to her questions. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. there was a little. I I think I put it in. I have notes in here. <laughs> so many notes. I'm impressed. Um. Hmm. You do have a lot of, I I told you, um, oh, I want to talk about the embankment killer too. Shit. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, We swear a lot on this podcast. Yeah. I swear a lot. Okay. So there's this part on page. 342 where at the very end it's from the saint james gazette um from july 18th of 1889 mm-hmm. it says the man when caught will be shown to be a homicidal that lunatic
2: on an imaginary command from heaven you're yeah yeah about with, with yeah, laboring
0: yeah. under religious mania why mm-hmm. did they think it that was it only because of the writing on the wall in that did one you, murder
2: to be totally honest with you, I, I think that. i think it, it, is that it's Sir james risden said that wasn't it is that is that, the, is that his name at the end
0: it just says saint james
2: james risden was a james Risden. Oh, there's, there's another i'm sure there's a name anyway there's a couple of them in oh, there with like dr forbes
0: guys. winslow
2: oh of course, of course it is yeah so okay. uh, there's there's another one in there somewhere and there's a guy called risden as well and he says a similar thing but there's uh yeah to be i mean the guys at the medical gazette thought that, I mean, I didn't they, whether or not the police thought that, I don't know, because it was people had different, I thought it was an interesting one though, because um, it was a similar theory when Peter Sutcliffe was on the loose that uh, when, when they arrested Sutcliffe, he claimed that it was the voice of God had been speaking to, to him through a gravestone telling him to clean the streets. So I think uh, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really all sold on the idea that Jack the Ripper necessarily was religiously motivated I and mean, he could have been, It could have been, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it could have been in there among 500 other problems that he has he, he might have had a religious element in there somewhere as well but he may or may not have and it was it was an opinion of them i thought it was an interesting opinion because it was the kind of thing that you hear in a modern case
0: yeah in a way then
2: yeah and i, I thought it was interesting that a lot of those like medical gazettes if i was to just mention them now people think oh they're obviously way out of date past the crime and some of those guys i think they would say things that wouldn't sound out of place in a modern investigation they were quite on the ball so um yeah, there yeah, was that um,
0: whole um I have it. This whole thing where <laughs> yes, yeah, he notes. Um, where you like list this entire um profile, like yeah. one of the mm-hmm. first profiles in the case. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was just like, what like this? There's, there's
2: <laughs> I love that as well, because there's a few bits of it where like today there's a few bits, okay, we'll discount that, but some of those points he's spot on. He's anything, and he's 130 years before the FBI, pro, you know, profiling you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Decades and decades before any sort of like forensic science, and that, um, yeah. As far as I'm aware, that is considered to be the first ever example of a criminal psychological profile.
0: Yeah, which is so certain, which, interesting. Yeah. because some of it yeah. I was like, eh, okay, yeah, sure, and then yeah. the rest there was other things where I was like. Yes. yeah yeah well, they, they would say that today on. yeah, mm. yeah that's i incredible. also
2: I, I like that because i thought him uh like uh, dr bond who wrote that dr brown and a few other guys like there are bits in the case where you can see it's victorian and you wouldn't do that anymore but there are some bits where you yeah, dr brown and dr bond in particular when you're reading the reports this is exactly like not exactly like a modern guy would say but 50 percent of this would totally stand up today and he's ahead of his time and you think he's this whimsical way out of date guy but it kind of drives on the fact as well. I think that it wasn't really that long ago, you right. know. It was, you know, it's, it's 130 odd years, but it's within two lifetimes, I suppose. You know, it's okay. uh, yeah, the, the the weren't actually as far back in the past as you think they were.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we had this mutual question. Yes. <laughs> what is with the inquest? They make no sense. <laughs> There's no. <laughs> there's nobody <laughs> to pin this to like say that this is the murderer and they're just like yep this is a murder somebody but I think what,
2: what typically happened was it's like imagine if you I mean they, they would they would hold the inquest on everybody not just murder victims so imagine if you were just walking down the road had a heart attack and died then they would hold your inquest possibly in the same place you know so that, that room wasn't just the ripper inquest you know I mean if if you'd fell over and died on Whitechapel High Street they'd probably have it in there so what they would do is they would, it's kind of the inquest was sort of a place where you would all get together and put all the evidence together and then decide formally was this a crime was it an accident was it a suicide or whatever so if you fell over and died they would all have you thing there, and then the witness would say oh she was walking along the street and she fell over and then all the evidence would say we declare this was a tragic accident or whatever and then this one of course this never happens with the ripper ones of course but it's happened they have the inquest everybody gives their evidence and then there's a formality at the end really to go yep it was officially a murder but really, okay. I think the inquest was just a place for okay. sort of when you haven't caught an offender. We're not going to court yet, but we'll get all the information together. Everybody knows what's going on. And Now that we know everything, yes, it's officially a murder. Let's go get him. But of course, okay. he was okay. never okay. caught. Us, but yeah,
1: it's more like a label. So to say, like, okay, this case, this is murder. This case, this was suicide. This, mm. it's like, this was an accident. It's more okay. like a formal like, label instead of a trial.
0: Okay, yeah, because like, I kept for, on being for like, like example, how is this uh, a,
2: a trial? yeah, yeah there's no trial because there's nobody being arrested but yeah, was exactly. like, I was like, is yeah. But for example I was like, when when this
0: is something that they do that we don't do that i just don't mm-hmm. understand
2: <laughs> no it's like, it's like you, you can still have you still hear of and things but it's yeah i mean it, it was basically a formality so i think what it was you'd have jack the Ripper's done a murder and then everybody gets together in the room everybody said this is everything we know and then we're, okay without doubt it is definitely a murder it'll it's definitely a murder like the last one it's the same guy i don't know you, you kind of get together and then it was just a formality it was yes it's officially a murder we know everything now now we're gonna go and find him but likewise when you know rose mylett died like we mentioned before or emma smith died these people had inquest as well so rose Millet's, i'd have to look it up but i'm pretty sure rather than going murder against some person unknown at the end like they always do with the ripper ones i'm pretty right. sure that the verdict came back we don't know or it was an accident or whatever it would have been yeah so I think after that one, I don't think the send people looking for murderers, but at the Ripper inquest, yes, this was clearly a murder. We need to go and find him.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. All right. I want to get in to your suspect now
2: mm-hmm.
0: because you kept bringing him up and I kept, <laughs> I kept reading and reading <laughs> and being like, why is he doing this? Why mm. does he keep inserting himself where he doesn't belong? Yep. And I was very suspicious of him from like, one of the very first times you brought him up because he Mm -hmm. went he he said that he was on the jury of one of the inquests and they said like no Mm -hmm. and he kept trying to fight when they when Mm -hmm. they were trying to show the rest of the jury the body so just for i mean for our listeners who don't know um is because i'm just like you you can name
2: him if you like it won't upset me tell him say his name loud and proud if you like
0: (laughs) his I don't know if I'm saying his last name right but it's Albert
2: Albert Backert Backert. Backert. okay yeah yeah. B S C H E R T. yes Albert Wilhelm Backert yeah his family were German but he was born in Whitechapel
0: yeah so I was very interested because in the very end you talk like and a lot about him and you bring in all of these FBI studies about how um you know he's inserting himself into the investigation he's lying he's saying he's receiving all of these letters but why is he getting them there's like some evidence that he was in the vigilance committee but that seems to have mm-hmm. been disbanded and now you know that's not really a thing mm-hmm. so i kind of wanted to know about like what do you think happened in his life that if if it indeed was him mm-hmm. that made him do this because it seemed like his early on life was relatively normal, and I mean- It,
2: it seems relatively normal, but it's got massive holes in it though. Right. So, you think we, we, so we say, right, he's, so when you look up the records, right, he's born last quarter of 1860. Then in 1871, he's living at 49 Duke Street. But then the next thing we know of him, you know, it's, it's a census record later off. So, so you can see like he's born and then he's living there when he's 11. So thing right he was in the air but what the hell happened in that 11 years right. I mean, anything could have happened there that isn't documented and then when he moves out of there you know so th- we see him when he's 11 but then we pick up again when he's in his mid-20s living down the road i mean anything could have happened in this meantime so we can say uh, you know he, he lived with his mother and father and the family and the people in there but how exactly they all go on together anything is, is a mystery and i thought it was interesting that once he reaches you know, around the time of the murders when he's 27 28 years old it appears that the family had moved out and left him there uh, his father took him to court and sued him for stealing his for money stealing. I think, yeah i think you could um you could certainly make an argument he, he took him to court for stealing and he claimed again that he stole a lot of clothing off him after that and you think see, he, he clearly seems to you could make, certainly make an argument that he certainly didn't get on with his family and his dad took him to court and they moved out and left him there and this kind of thing but I mean, that's all circumstantial I suppose but um yeah I mean he's the right age he, if it's the right description he's living in the right area by himself at the time
0: he was yeah so nobody would have known anything
2: yeah he was vividly, he's vividly familiar with all the, the back streets and alleyways. You would need to get away. You don't want to do a murder and then run into a dead end on the way home. That kind of thing. He never seems to have any trouble getting away in the dark. He knows the place intimately. He totally would have. He worked as an engraver, which I thought was interesting. Because you'll read in the book, there were numerous other women in the area. that got attacked, but screamed and you kicked in the balls or something and ran away. And when he'd gone, you realised that the coins he'd given you were, were bogus, they were polished brightly and machined around the edges to look more valuable. Uh, there's a case before Annie Chapman, uh, where a woman called Emily Walter was attacked on Hanbury Street, right. and then realized at least two polished farthings, machined around the edges. It's like if I you a fake 50 in the dark in today's, you know, today's world, but uh, Albert Backett as an engraver would have had all the tools and expertise to do that in the house as well. Then in 1889 they actually arrested him, uh, took him to court and charged him on two separate occasions for passing counterfeit coins just like that. Yes. on two separate occasions. I think there's no way it's not him. He then, he goes to prison uh, because he gets a job for the Tower Hamlets Unemployed Relief Committee who were like a like a food bank. Kind yeah, of and thing he and he
0: he said that yeah. one of the orders was going somewhere and it hadn't been signed mm-hmm. by- And he ripped person. it
2: off and sent all the stock to his mate instead. And, said, and, and say, so he got done for that. Off he goes to prison for three months. When he's in prison, there's no murders going on. I mean, there had not been one in a while, to be fair, but there's no murders going on. As soon as he comes out of prison, uh, within a couple of days of him getting out of prison, the magistrate who sent him to prison got a letter in the post from Jack the Ripper with a piece of dried meat in it of some description saying he was back and going to get him. And that's a coincidence as well, isn't it? I'm, mm. I'm, 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 I am I'm, think if this was, a, I think police at the time must have thought, oh, God, here's this guy again. Oh, go another clue, have you? But in a modern case, that I think he, endless red flags with this guy. Uh, yeah, honestly, that was my him.
0: question. I was like, why? Was he not looked into more? It was mm. so suspicious that he kept coming back to people who were involved in the case, like yeah. um, Mr. Um, Mead.
2: Lushington was one of them. Mr. Mead was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah. He kept unnecessary going back trips to, them. to court to keep yeah. going to the guy who did the Ripper inquest. Yeah. And I think I find that you could have gone to any number of magistrates, but he keeps turning up to these cases that don't involve him in any way. But it's always the one that the guy who oversaw the Ripper investigation is there. Whatever case he gets, Albert Black got another clue for him and he's back there. Like, really? I, I think I think it weeks of suspicion. I, I'm convinced it's him.
0: It's like he's begging them to, to like notice that it's him. Yeah. It seems and then like the, there's,
2: well, there's the other things he does as well where he claimed that he he uh, he was walking down poultry and the ornament had fall off and hit some kid and he ran he to kid. the rescue, yes. but nobody would help him. You think that sounds like a lie? And then he claims he's outside the pub. Some guy gets punched in the face, fell over and died. But he just happened to be there to see that. He's just witnessed two random strangers' deaths a couple of weeks apart. And he's at both inquests before Mr. Mead again, babbling on about them. It's like, I'm, yeah, I, I think uh, I think if this was a modern case, they would absolutely go and talk to him. He told the police that he'd met the killer and spoke to him on a couple of occasions. Yeah,
0: at the pub. And then, Yeah, he
2: claimed that he was writing letters to his house. He was writing graffiti on the wall on, of his on house. His, on
0: his stuff. And, and it was interesting, too. You talked about it in the book that when he's in prison, That there's no communication from Mm -hmm. Jack the Ripper. There's like, Mm -hmm. don't you think that if this guy was your quote unquote, you know, I don't know, a friendly acquaintance or whatever, that you'd get some like weird letter in the jail, you know, if Mm -hmm. he is indeed writing to you and wants you to know what is going on. Um, Yeah. And it was interesting too, that um, Francis Cole's murder was right by his house.
2: Oh yeah, if you came here and I took you there, you can almost see one from the other, it's literally, it's about 150 meters, where, where, where Albert Baggers house was, it's now a school now, it got bombed in the water, so that's that, that different, but you can see where the house, you can see where the, where the street was, but if you were standing there, I mean, I, you could run from there to Swallow Gardens in about 30 seconds, it, it's, uh, it's literally end of the block, it's right there
0: right the, and the, there's a
2: church at the end of the block if the church wasn't there you'd be able to see swallow gardens from his house
0: <laughs> oh my gosh that's i mean when i mean you you kept writing about him in the book like before you said like this is who i think it is uh-huh. and i kept being like this something's weird with him something's <laughs> up why what are you doing <laughs> why I'm do you keep man. coming to them and and I kept being like why this is the same guy he keeps telling you no They're like go yeah. away like Mr. Mead's like bye like he does not want to they, talk I, to him people,
2: if you were Mr. Mead you must have thought there was something strange about that guy when he came in yeah. he must have he must have raised eyebrows from a few but I think it, but knowing the things we do today and I also think as well I think that me and you having done the research and read the book now know a lot more about him than mr mead probably did when he walked in to talk to him you know what i bet perhaps if he'd known all that stuff about him you know i thought it was interesting when he says things like um oh the in that area the houses are accessible by pulling a string which pulling lifts the a string. Latch. yeah and how do you know that how did you know that how, how do you know that he wants you to think that he's like the king of investigators and knows everything about it but he knows details that you think either you are the absolute king of investigators to know that and i'm giving you so little credit for it or that you're recalling your own events you, you, So you were there and the, the annie chapman or emily walter told you there's a string there lift it, and then you've said that you, i'm i'm very suspicious uh, I'm, I'm convinced him <laughs>
0: usually mean, when I... you
2: get usually when you get a ripper suspect it's like um I mean, there aren't really any particularly good. If you Google Jack the Ripper suspects, there are hundreds of them, but all yes, of them yes. are complete nonsense. There's no evidence against any of them. And he will go with Lewis Carroll and Walter Sickert, no, and there's no evidence against any of these people. And the police at the time said were well, largely no suspects. And it's like, I think Albert Bucket is the only suspect where you can actually put him in the area. He, he, he can be there for every crime scene. You can show he's. You can show actual evidence against him. And it I mean the only ever evidence against against somebody else is perhaps oh, he apparently allegedly said he hated women once. oh so I'll write a book and it, it, it's ridiculous I think Albert Baggot, in my opinion is the only suspect to be quite honest we I don't really um yeah he seems, I, 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 so, I, I,
0: he seems so suspicious to me yeah you mm. know the the whole thing and, and I mean he even he even talks about being in at one of those riots that like he helped incite. And then he goes to to the inquest about it and says, Oh, I just happened upon it and saw that these yeah. police officers were like hitting this guy.
2: How and convenient. He, yeah.
0: Yeah, how convenient that you just were walking through <laughs> there, sir. And then there's like other times where he he comes in and he just says stuff where it's like, How how Wait, do you know that?
2: And something just... I thought something I thought was interesting as well. But again, I, I mentioned it in the book, but I didn't wade into it because there's not many details. Like available on it, so if there was loads of details, like, uh, but it was a bit where so he gets arrested for passing the counterfeit coins, right? right? He goes to court and they charge him with the coins, and then he claims, "Oh yeah, I was passing the coins, but it wasn't my fault. It was the other guy with me. Oh, it's his fault." You know, there was there was that thing in the book where he says he wasn't the ringleader of the gang, and it was somebody yeah,
0: else actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So what he did is he went to court. And snitched up the other bloke. Said, "Oh, yeah, I was in with the coins, just like the police said." But because he was now claiming that he was helping the police with their investigation to catch this horrible man who was uh, doing the coins, he actually managed to get into Scotland Yard as they were doing the Ripper investigation to go in there, claiming that he wanted to identify a photograph of the guy who was really faking the coins. So he's actually, so <laughs> from the police's point of view, they've nicked this guy for doing fake coins. And then he said, it's him. And they've said, could you identify a photo? Of course I could. And he's taken great delight to stand there in the middle of Scotland Yard police headquarters in the middle of the Ripper investigation.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) See, if it was him, which I'm convinced we you might theoretically have taken great delight in doing that. What he is, Jack the Ripper in the middle of the police headquarters, in the middle of the police investigation. Oh yeah, that's the bad man with the coin. See you later, everybody. And I so it's that one incident on its own isn't particularly amazing but it's one of millions of incidents that he's constantly seems to be doing uh, yeah he, if there was Fussfully a single thing i would found them.
0: and he made such was, a fuss mm. he made such a fuss when he said he was supposed to be on the jury for the for that one inquest and that they wouldn't let him see the body and he kept on he like kept going at the coroner and being like you need to mm. let me in and mm. i was just like why do you want to see well, that body so bad it, right like <laughs> are you trying to like see something that you did
2: yeah <laughs> I, I think it, it's literally like if if ted bundy had had the opportunity to go and view all his bodies in the mortuary oh he would have he would have loved it and i think um so he it, again he,
0: just being a, mm. a, the, the, his own lawyer like mm. so he definitely <laughs> think, would have loved that
2: he's definitely the center of attention and it's like something I, I always want to find out what happened to him because it i can trace him up to 1901 after that, he's a ghost, and because he claimed he was going to America, but America. it doesn't look like he did, and and he's constantly lying all the time. Anyway, I don't believe he was doing that, and there's no record of him going to America. There's no record of anybody by his name or any name remotely similar leaving the country on a boat until like until about 1950. I mean, if if he went, he went under an assumed name, and you'll never find right. who he was. Or he, uh, but he's back in Whitechapel in 1901, uh, living opposite the Tube station. After that, he's a ghost. he could have lived through the Second World War? And nobody ever thinks that about jack the ripper you can't imagine him dodging bombs in the blitz in 1941 but he'd have been about 80 years old at the time so albert Backett's dad lived to be 93. so right. if he'd lived to be the same age elvis was in the charts and jack the ripper was still strolling about like it doesn't sound that long ago when you think about it like that but i also mm-hmm. he probably stayed living in the same area i went the other day to try and find if he's buried at tower hamlet cemetery and he's not because <laughs> the search for albert Backett goes on but um that's crazy. Yeah. You
0: can't even find where he's buried. You can't
2: even find it. Mm. He, After at 1901, he was 41 years old. So with all you know in the book, he's constantly in the newspapers, loads of records about him, and then it's like overnight he's gone. And what 1941? Yeah, he's and, like writing 41, he's all the time. Yeah.
0: saying that that lady like let the real Jack the Ripper stay in her lodging. And she uh-huh. found all of this evidence against him. And then when they go question that lady, she's like, oh, what are you talking about? Yeah. I didn't say any of that.
2: I never said that, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's <laughs> like-
2: What he says about the woman that went to buy him the matches, and then the guy asked him, where do the women go? And he, seemed, he seems to know exactly where all the prostitutes go and everything. And so it's another circumstantial thing. He seems to take more than a passing interest in the women in the area and how they do the business. You think if you just asked a random guy on the street, you go down to Whitechapel High Street now. There's girls on the street corner. If I was to ask a guy, where do the girls go and where do you know? I'm sure he might go. Uh, I don't know. I think they probably go down there. Some but he didn't. Go say, ask that. Them. He I don't
0: know. Exactly. <laughs> they go
2: to this street. They go to this street. Some of them go to houses on Bishop's Gate. Some of them go to Oxford Street, Whitechapel. Like he seems to know an awful lot about that. More than that. More than the. He seems to be paying a lot of attention to the prostitutes in the area, which is another circumstantial by itself. But there's lots of them.
0: Yeah. 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 And he keeps writing those, um, art, like those letters to the press and they print them. And he's like Mm -hmm. way off with his information, like day, like, like either earlier in the day or like the day before Mm -hmm. they've completely just like disregarded and disproved Mm -hmm. everything he's saying, but he still writes and wants to talk to them about this stuff. And it's like, why Mm. do you keep doing that? (laughs) He's
2: very suspicious.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I kept thinking that throughout the whole book being like who is this guy Mm. is he what is his purpose is he is he gonna be the the guy at the end and then sure as shit he was I was like I'm suspicious of him so maybe he is maybe he isn't
2: it's like I'll I'll put back it's dad's house because um I, I think I mentioned it very briefly but it's not really relevant but there was a bit where his um I think I mentioned right at the end there's a bit where I say about how he after 1901 you can't find him but his dad was later living and and he turned out because his, his mother had died, and then his dad was living, but he was still working as a tailor. The house mm-hmm. that his dad was living in and might have died in is still standing there. Albert it's dad's house is still there. Wow. So I'm saying he must have been in there at some point, but the house is still there. It's an old Victorian house. Oh. But uh, yeah, sadly, his house oh. isn't there. I'd have been yeah. moving in and digging up the floorboards, I think.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so crazy that you walk past this stuff like every day. We just went to, um, it's kind of weird. We didn't even really know, but we like to yeah. go like a, a kind of explore like weird abandoned places <laughs> and she's a photographer so she takes lots of pictures and it's just kind of fun and um, most
2: people would consider that weird not me <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, people probably listening to this podcast are like i love that <laughs> but um we went to this place and we didn't even um realize that we live in um new york in the in new york state and mm. we went there cuz she just looked up abandoned places near me <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, what is this place called? Where? Uh, Split you know, Rock Quarry. It's called Split Rock Quarry. And we looked it up on, like, I was like, oh, I didn't even really look this up. And I looked it up on the internet and it just pulls up like four or five things about how it's haunted. Mm-hmm.
1: And there's this massive explosion. <laughs> and
0: like, oh. But that's like not, was... that's like not something that you come across. No. Like every day here. Like mm-hmm. you have to go searching for that stuff. Yeah. Whereas like mm-hmm. you are like- you're smack in the middle of right a, where it happened right where it was i'm just you know you know you know what you should know do and
2: anybody bad. listening to this should do this right now you know when you get those adverts on the tv and it's like sign up now and find your family tree you know these adverts right yeah. what you do is you go you see so you've got ancestry.com and you go got findmypast.com, which i think is the best one there's probably a bunch of other ones you, you sign up there you get a two-week free trial or it's a 10 or a month or whatever but what you do is you go on there and instead of searching for great granddad bob from the war or whatever especially if you live somewhere where the house are old. So I mean round here everything's 300 years old. I'm, I'm sure it's not as old in, in New York, but you go into the newspaper archives and i have got every newspaper from about 1650 to the Second World War scanned in there. So instead of searching for great granddad Bob, you search for where you live, Smith Street, New York. Keyword: murder, death, arrested, whatever. Search, oh. you'd be amazed what happened on your street 100 years ago, and everybody's forgotten about it. And if you live somewhere where the like here, oh. where the houses are old, these are the same buildings. That's the house he murdered his wife in. That's the one where it exploded and killed everybody. That's and we everybody's forgotten about himself. it now. But we have but, to it's, do this but it's but it's in the newspaper archives. You can look at it right now. Yeah, you, look, That's you nice. know what you I've
1: never heard of that. I've you never know when heard of that either.
2: You know, when you watch YouTube and say you go down the hole, down the rabbit hole, you know, you totally do that on the archives website. You start out looking about Jack the Ripper, then, oh, here's this guy did this. Now I'm searching for him, you know, and then (laughs) you lose months of your life on there. I must know what happened to this guy I've never heard of.
0: (laughs) I thought it was interesting, too, that you kept bringing um, the Embankment Killer Mm -hmm. into that, because that's also unsolved as well, correct? It is, yes. I just thought that that was... That was really interesting that that is kind of happening in tandem with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I really didn't even know Never spoken about it. That mm-hmm. I didn't even know yeah. about that. I didn't know about that. Kind of
2: like the, the, the reason that Jack the Ripper got such publicity is kind of that was kind of like the birth of the modern media there. So it's like up until about the early 1880s newspapers were very taxed, were very expensive. The only people that bought them were lardy Dar people to see how your money was doing. So It was like about the 1880s-ish, just before the Jack the Ripper murders. Basically, that was the point where they lessened all the taxes. And now anybody could buy a newspaper. Now, these penny dreadful sleazy sex death murder tabloids (laughs) pollock that you didn't have before. So if you were when the embankment killers run around from the Mm mid-1870s, it would have got a lot less press coverage because you didn't really have the sleazy tabloids like that. So you only had like the big broadsheet ones. And the people buying them probably didn't want to hear about body parts washing up on the Thames. See, it wouldn't have got as much press coverage, but then once yeah, Jack the Ripper came along, if the embankment killer had been come along at the same time, I bet you'd heard of him today. But at the time, he, yeah, he missed it by about 15 years. But if you've been living here, in Whitechapel or in London in the 1870s and the 1880s and was terrified of the embankment killer and then it was only once that guy came along and removed him from the headlines nobody's forgotten about the embankment killer
0: yeah because I remember when I if we first started reading yeah. there's that whole little bit at the beginning before you you know you get into mm. the murders and you're talking about how there were all of these kind of crimes around the time they're finding you know the body parts and the embankment killer mm. and I just was like that's weird <laughs> i never heard of this same person
2: maybe it's like all, all of the spots where the embankment crimes took place pretty much you're all there as well there's a bit where he um uh whoever the murderer was he, he threw body parts into percy shelley's garden on the chelsea embankment and if you went yeah. there ha- yeah the house is still there it's the same garden with the same bushes next time i go by i'll take a picture <laughs> this is where the embankment killer threw the body parts like, like, there's, one in, <laughs>
0: there's,
2: there's one in um there's a place called I think it's Bedford Square. I'm sure it's called Bedford Square. It's beside the, um, it's on the end of Oxford Street next to the British Museum. Uh, but there's there's like a row of houses goes along there. And it might, they're like old houses. So imagine you got the house, then there's like about four or five feet of space with a wrought iron fence across the front. And where that fence runs, that was an embankment killer site as well, because it was severed arm over that fence. It's the same building with the same fence, the same everything sitting there. Everybody's long forgotten about it. they will be somebody living in there now. <laughs> They'll <That's laughs> have no idea.
0: It was an awesome read, and thank you very much. It yeah. was highly recommended by this say, gal to all of our mm-hmm. listeners.
1: Freaking go buy this book. <laughs> yeah, seriously.
2: Rippleworld.net. Um, if, you, if you go to Rippleworld.net, uh, you can get on there. It's, all, it's also on Etsy.com. So if you search "One right. Autumn in Whitechapel," yeah, it'll it'll pop up Ripperworld and Etsy.com, and, it'll, and I'll send it straight out from the East End.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and I think lastly, is there anything you want to say to our followers? Anything you want to tell them about anything? Yeah. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've into if you an plot. Instagram account, <laughs> if you find MP Priestley on Instagram and all I ever post on there, as you know, is just Jack the Ripper, East End history, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you go to the the com, next time you're in London, the Jack the Ripper Tour with Ripper Vision, come down and see us and I'll take you around the East End. And uh, that's about it, I think.
0: Oh that's my fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we
2: appreciate
1: you coming back and talking with us. Or and- yes. anytime.
2: Anytime I can talk about murders all day long.
1: Thanks so much so for thank doing you this. again. Well, this thank you been- very much.
2: Thanks for having me on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anytime let, let me know and I'll we'll do it as well. Awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely. Great. Enjoy awesome. your Great. enjoy your night evening. And thank you very much. Till next time. <laughs> Till next time
2: I shall <laughs> see you soon. Have a good night. See you later. <laughs> you
1: too. Bye. Bye. So
0: Nicole, where can they find us?
1: Oh, yes, yeah, we're, like we've said before, we are everywhere. We are everywhere. So we are on Facebook and Instagram at Buzzkillers Podcast. Buzzkillers Podcast. We are on Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. Buzzkillers Pod. We are on YouTube. Hop into that little search bar of yours and type Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast.
0: Buzzkillers but colon a true crime podcast. While you're
1: there, please hit the subscribe button. Okay? Please,
0: please, please. Get us to 100
1: followers so we can get that custom URL. Yeah, we need it. <laughs> um, you can find us on Patreon. <gasps> what? Yeah, girl.
0: <laughs> That's new. That's new. Surprise everybody. <laughs> surprise. Can you not tell that today was the big surprise? The big we surprise of all surprises.
1: So much to hold on to for this episode. We are now on Patreon. Yes, check
0: us out, please.
1: So the special part about this episode is there is more than you just heard. Definitely more. This is what you just heard is probably only about half of the interview we actually did with M.P. Priestley. There is going to be a full on video that you will be able to access if you sign up for our Patreon and you yeah. will be able to hear the bonus questions. We dug a little deep into the tours he go- he hosts and his writing process and we ask him a lot more questions that you guys should totally go listen to the answers to. Because Not just
0: about the case.
1: He is f- fantastic and gives such great answers and you can learn Fountain of s- knowledge. so much more from him. So please go check out our Patreon it is only a dollar to subscribe to us. $1 a month. That's all it costs. If you sign up, we are going to send you a personalized thank you card. Yes. You guys will get our autograph. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and we'll be coming at you with exclusive content every month. There will be new things. And we'll be announcing all of the new things on, um, on our social media yes. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, So like we
1: definitely keep an eye on those because we're going to have we have so many ideas for things that we are going to be putting up on Patreon. Um, it is so worth that dollar a month.
0: And we really I appreciate promise. it because it's going to help us to, you know, build.
1: The yes. Podcast. You guys this just so you know, like the money it's gonna be for merch. It is going to be for merch its going to be for. Probably a new laptop.
0: Because it might <laughs> so
1: plugs the minute you touch the
0: power <laughs> cord. <laughs>
1: um, it is going to be all for upgrading our podcast, making your experience listening to us Way and better. interacting with us so much better. So if you subscribe, it would mean the absolute world to us. And if and you want
0: extra content, we're, it's not going to just, you know, we're going to be going and doing some cool things this summer. Yep. Um, there'll be other exclusive content. Um, it's going to be... It's going to be cool. We don't want to give away too, too much. Yeah. (laughs) Because we've got some things in the works. Um, But hit that, hit that subscribe button and we would just so appreciate you uh, more than we already do. Seriously. (laughs) Really? Um, And if you guys want to listen to us. Everywhere.
1: (laughs) We are everywhere. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Pandora, iHeartRadio and our host platform Podbean.
0: Podbean.
1: We love Podbean. We love. We say it every week because we do love Podbean. Not an ad. They
0: (laughs) do a lot for you.
1: They really do. (laughs) It's
0: really automated. They're really
1: nice and they're super helpful and we have a good relationship with them. Yeah. They're awesome. We love them.
0: So guys we hope you enjoyed our first collaborative episode. I know. It's so
1: exciting. It's so exciting. Guys, stay tuned for more. Like we said, keep an eye on social media for Mm -hmm. all the special stuff coming your way. We'll have all these different announcements for everything we just talked about. And we'll talk to you next time. Yeah,
0: next month. New topic. Woo! Hell yeah, we got that announcement coming soon too. Oh. <laughs> okay, so thank you guys so much. We love you and oh, oh, if you want to send us an email or go on our website oh, or anything yes. like that, we are buzzkillerspodcast.com and you can send us a little message there if you want. You can su- suggest things. Obviously, we are like really open to suggestions. We just did a whole listeners month. We just <laughs> did a whole listeners month. So, um, if you don't want to go on our website and send in that little contact page, you can also just send us a regular email at Buzzkillers podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. We, we love, you. love you. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by BK Creations, LLC.